Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. Today we're joined by actor, activist, and singer Yasmin Aker. Let's get into today's show. So I'm very excited to speak with Yasmin today because, you know, a few weeks ago I saw this story on my way to True Beauty on Instagram. And honestly, I just saw this picture of women cutting off their hair and burning their hijabs. And I was like, what the heck is going on? What the heck? I never said that. I was like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) And started to look into it. And I just saw this incredible revolution happening before my eyes. And the more that I started to sort of look into the story and hear from people much smarter than I about what was going on, I just felt so emotionally drawn to the women in Iran and this incredible act of resistance that they've been for, you know, decades really fighting for. But for me, just now seeing for the first time within the past few weeks. And so, you know, as allies to really, we try to be allies to everybody, but specifically to women and specifically to women of color on this podcast, I just knew that I wanted to share the story with as many people as I could. And the more women that I spoke to in my day to day that hadn't heard the story, the more I just knew that we had to bring somebody onto our show that I knew could really, you know, educate us, educate our listeners and just teach all of us about this revolution that's going on. And so Yasmin came on and she really did an incredible job of just sharing a little bit of the history of Iran and what, you know, the young people and the women and the LGBTQ community and everybody that's really just trying to live an authentic life is fighting for. Cannot have said it better myself. Also, I think this is one of my favorite interviews ever. Mm-hmm. I love that, Shapiro. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And I think it's just because we, you know, kind of in real time, maybe this is the first time on our show, aside from when George Floyd was murdered, this is kind of the first time in real time that we are watching people revolt and people use their voices and people say enough is enough. And that feeling is electric and it's like palpable. And they're not stopping. No, no. And we need to help to amplify the voices. So that's why we invited the incredible Yasmin on to speak with all of us about this resistance that's going on in Iran right now. Yeah, I think this will be especially good for anyone who may be, um, it's good for anyone to listen to, but especially if you're not quite sure as to what's going on and you kind of need like um, a shortened version because I think there's so much to the history of what's going on. But she dabbles into the history a bit and tells us a lot about what's going on right now and um, makes it very, I want to say easy to digest. It's hard to digest because what's going on is really fucked up. But she makes it easy to understand how they got to this point. Yeah, and also, honestly, I haven't seen much on mainstream media. I mean, granted, I'm not you know on CNN every day, but I have seen very few mainstream media organizations really talk about this story and really speak about 
the gravity of it. I mean, I encourage everybody after this episode to go to the show notes and see all of the links that we're including to support um, this cause. But if you go to Yasmin's Instagram page, just looking at the images of these young girls who were murdered and the terrible things that were done to them and all just to live what we consider a normal life, what we consider to be everyday occurrences of walking out of the house with your hair showing, of wearing nail polish, of holding hands with somebody down the street, of just, yeah, living your authentic self. Like these are all things that are illegal. And we're living in a digital world and in a world where you can see what's going on in the outside world. And so there's a generation of people who are sick of it. And um, we need to help to amplify these voices because it's an important story to share, especially in the context of our own country and watching the terrible you know, rollback of rights that we're seeing happen across across our nation. And I mean, Yasmin said it perfectly. It's it's a cautionary tale of what very well could be any of us. So without further ado, here is our chat with Yasmin Aker. My name is Yasmin Aker. I am an Iranian-American. I was born in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. I was born after the revolution of 1979. Uh, my parents were not living in Iran when I was born, obviously. my Both my parents were part of a minority religion and very heavily persecuted. My father actually was imprisoned and tortured in Iran for being a member of a minority religion. And so I've actually never set foot in Iran because my father is afraid, was afraid, he's passed away since then. But he was always afraid that if any of his children went back to Iran, that they would be persecuted as he had been. Um, I am an actress by trade. I've been in films and TV shows uh, for a little over a decade. I'm also an activist and a feminist. I've always been very passionate about being a voice for the voiceless because I feel like it is a place of privilege to be someone who is able to do the work that I do. There is quite a lot of privilege that comes with that. There's a lot of luck and privilege in just the sheer fact that I, I've been able to end up in the circles that I've ended up in, being able to have the career that I have, being able to be who I am, be around the people that I am. It's very lucky. And I think that it does take a lot of luck. Luck has to just touch your life. And sometimes some people are very unlucky and some people are very silenced. And I think that it is my duty as a person who has that privilege to be able to speak for those who may not have it and speak and give voice to those who may not have voice. And so right now, this is a very important cause because of course, this is my motherland. This is Iran. I've always wanted to go to Iran. I've never been able to go. I never, you know, have even been able to imagine going because we were always told since we were children how dangerous it would be for us to go. 
So just seeing all of the people back home fighting for their freedom, fighting for this potential that Iran will be free, this potential that I might one day be able to step foot in Iran, not be persecuted for the fact that my father was a member of a minority religion, not be persecuted for the fact that I'm a bisexual, not be persecuted for the fact that I show my hair. I feel like that is a very visceral feeling that every single Iranian is experiencing right now outside of Iran. I first heard this story, honestly, on the train on my way to work one day, just opened up my Instagram and I saw women cutting off their hair and Mm -hmm. storming in the streets. And I started to see the story circulate. And um, I'm excited to have you on because I'd really love for you to share the story of what's happening in Iran with Mm -hmm. uh, the women's revolution that's happening right now, the resistance that's going on. And we'd love to have you share in your own words to our audience and explain why everything's happening and why this is so important. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me and for creating a space to amplify their voices and to be able to talk about what is going on in Iran. So the whole protest started with the incident that I'm sure everybody knows about at this point. Kurdish woman Mahsa Jina Amini, 22-year-old woman, was brutally beaten in Iran by the morality police. The morality police are essentially... um, A branch of the police system in Iran, the police system in Iran, the IRGC has five branches. The morality police is one branch. Um, And this branch basically uh, is like in charge of women's dress and also in charge of conduct. So if men and women are hanging out together and they're not married, you can get in trouble. If a piece of a woman's hair is showing, she can get in trouble. Um, if a woman is wearing very bright nail polish or red lipstick, again, you can get stopped by the morality police. And your punishment can range anywhere between being beaten and detained for a re-education uh, session, which they take you to this like detention place where they quote unquote re-educate you. And it can be as grave as two months in prison a 500,000 real fine or 74 lashings. So the punishments are very grave. So Mahsa Jina Amini was not wearing her hijab to the liking of the police officers uh, or not. They're not police, they're morality police. And uh, some of her hair was showing. And so they detained her and they beat her so so brutally that she actually fell into a coma and passed away two days after being detained by the morality police. This, of course, has uh, sparked massive, massive uh, protests nationally throughout all of Iran. The key uh, feature of this protest is that it's actually unifying so many variable Uh, aspects of Iran and communities of Iran that have historically been separatists. They have historically wanted to separate um, because of the persecution. So the Kurdish, the Baluchis, the Afghans, there are so many people in Iran that are minority groups. And Masa Amini, Masa Jina Amini happened to be part of the Kurdish uh, community. And so everyone is coming together to really say enough is enough. The women in Iran, the LGBTQ in Iran, the men in Iran, the students in Iran, the minority groups in Iran, the minority religions in Iran have been facing 
very brutal, brutal repression and oppression for over 40 years, and they've had enough. And I think this was the, the match that lit everyone ablaze in Iran because girls, school girls throughout the entire nation are ripping off their hijabs. They don't want to wear it. They don't want to be forced into a religion that they don't accept. They want to be able to choose for themselves what they believe, how they want to express themselves. They want to have freedom of speech. They want to have freedom of religion. They don't have any of the most basic freedoms that you know, here in America, we take for granted, people are like, oh, I don't want to do this. That's my right. And it's like, we forget. Actually, you have so many rights and privileges that when you look into a country like that, that prior to 1979 did have many of these social freedoms, no longer have those social freedoms. Of course, prior to 1979, things weren't perfect in Iran. I mean, any historian can tell you things weren't perfect. But they had certain social freedoms, and those social freedoms were completely rolled back, as I'm sure many people here in America are a little bit afraid of that as well, because I feel like women all around the world, Iran is at the forefront of this. They're, at, they're, they're right at the beginning of this battle, really. But Afghanistan, so many other countries, and even here in America— a lot of men in power are rolling back women's rights, women's rights to their bodies, women's rights to their expression. And Iran should really be, um, it should be a cautionary tale for every country to really see what happens to a nation when you allow any religion, not just Islam, because it's not really Islam that's the issue here. The issue is to take a religion and to twist it out of shape and then to force everyone to have to follow it. And I think this should be a cautionary tale for the entire world, for even here in America, because, you know, there are people here who would love to have a theocracy. They would love to turn back the dial and make things in line with whatever religion of their choosing here, you know? Um, there are similarities. So people should be very wary of what's going on. And, and that's basically what has sprung up the, the revolution that is now happening in Iran and spreading all around the world. People are in support of the women and students and people, like so many people in Iran who are just fed up. They're just fed up. So much of what you just said reminds me of so many facets of our culture that we all just went through recently. And mm -hmm. I think that that's why when I saw this story, I was so moved. I started crying on the train. I was I was just so moved and I wasn't sure why. Aside from it just being an atrocity, I didn't understand why I felt so um, taken by this story. And it's because we've seen the same thing happen mm -hmm. in this country in so many different ways. We just saw it with George Floyd mm -hmm. a couple of summers ago. Mm -hmm. We've seen it with, obviously, with Roe v. Wade, you know, just mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And it's the culmination of both of those things happening, I think, is what I saw in this story. And you're absolutely right. It's so close to home. Mm -hmm. It's we're, we're watching it happen all around us. We're watching these people with different ideologies than the majority Mm -hmm. take back these rights that we that so many people worked so hard for so many years for us to have. Yeah. I mean, it's staggering. It's staggering because in Iran right now, the literacy rate is so high overall. But women in Iran account for 65% of university graduates. They have 97% literacy rate and make up 70% of the STEM graduates. And they outnumber 
So they are the, actually, women are the majority. They outnumber their oppressors. And it is a cautionary tale of what happens when you have a minority, oppressive, patriarchal group of men basically prescribe how everyone should live, not just women, because it, this isn't just about women. I mean, students, LGBTQ+, so many people in Iran have been persecuted and murdered on charges that are just unfounded because they will use this guise of, oh, purity and piety and want to, they're trying to use religion as a scapegoat because they know when you use religion, everyone has to say, oh, well, I respect your religion, but no one ever comes and says, hey, hang on a second, that's not what your religion says. How come you're doing this to the people that maybe that's not right? Or why don't, it's fine, have your religion. Everyone can follow whatever religion they want, believe whatever they want, but we can't really prescribe your religion onto anyone else. And I think that's really, it, it needs to be mentioned. And to be honest, I think that um, the Iranian regime, they know that these protests are probably the most serious threat that the regime has ever faced. And the sole reason for that is because the women outnumber the men and their literacy rates are so high that in truth, the youth, the Gen Z of Iran outnumber everyone. They're super tech savvy. They're super educated. They know what's going on. When your own citizens can outsmart you and out tech you, it, you can never take them back to the stone age. I mean, study after study shows the number one thing that can really save a society from dictatorship is education. And that's the, the, you know, the Iranian regime made a big mistake when, when they allowed everyone to get their educations, because I don't think that they realized that that was going to be their own undoing. Thankfully so. Because we've seen in other countries like in Afghanistan where women are forbidden from going to school, like forbidden. Their Taliban doesn't allow women to go to school because they know that when people are educated, they are far less likely to, to follow any dictatorship or any theocracy or any autocracy and just go along with whatever narratives are prescribed to them. I also imagine like with education comes camaraderie and finding your people and being able to organize. Yeah. I mean, it makes them very savvy. You know, the internet has been completely shut off in Iran. So they can't use methods that we would hear in the West be like, oh, let's just make a quick Facebook group or let's put this thing up online and everyone knows when the protest is. So they really have to be so savvy about how they're organizing themselves. They're really going back to a lot of grassroots methods of like writing notes, handing out pamphlets. And then also a lot of kids have been using video games because their video consoles are connected to each other in some way. And they will like use video consoles to communicate with one another, or they, they've come up with so many savvy ways to communicate and organize. And, and I think that it just shows how smart they are and how savvy they are. I think that's incredible. Okay, so one is I have to make a quick joke because I always mm -hmm. whenever I get riled up and pissed off about anything about women's rights or, mm -hmm. you know, POC rights, I always joke. This is why they didn't want us to ever read. This is exactly <laughs> why, because we know too much and we yeah. can't go backwards. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of going backwards, I imagine that so much of the um, frustration is 
that there's a whole generation of people that knew what life was like before the regime. Mm -hmm. So I heard that the first sort of pushback towards the revolution that we see today was the Iranian kids looking at their bodies and saying like this regime cares so much about our bodies, but they don't care about the infrastructure. They don't care. There's no jobs. So why don't we take back our bodies? So, you know, women would just like start by wearing red nail polish Mm, or they would start by just having like little strands of hair coming out of their hijab. And they called this like the millimeter revolution, taking back their bodies one millimeter at a time, which I thought was like just so beautiful. But from what I understand, those are the little baby steps that started to lead up to what we see today of just like, well, here we are. Fuck it. Let's go. Yeah. The youth in Iran and the women in Iran have been using makeup uh, as a form of protest and political resistance for decades now. I mean, women are not allowed to wear red lipstick or bright nail polish. uh, And young girls very fearlessly express themselves. Uh, Women and girls will even like line up in public bathrooms to put on makeup. For example, if they're not allowed to put on makeup at home before they go to school or uh, and They'll be forced to take it off in school, of course, or if they go to a public setting, they could be stopped by the morality police and be forced to take it off or be taken to a detention center. But the teens and the women, they do show their hair and wear makeup and nail polish as a form of protest. And they do show it. I have personal friends who would on purpose put on red lipstick and then go out and just be like, I'm going to be outside with my red lipstick. I don't care. And regrettably, she was stopped by the morality police. And of course, they detained her and she she had to go in and she wiped it off. And they were like, that's not enough. You're going to have to come with us. And they took her in. But yeah, women and girls have been facing the most oppressive, oppressive regime. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like not to even be able to show a millimeter of hair. Like that's a crime. It's a crime to have red nail polish on. And all of this, it's very twisted because in the 1980s, the reason that in Iran they started to enforce the hijab, it was never because the hijab makes you pure or the hijab shows that you're close to God. Because we can get into like the theocracy of it all and we can actually like go into the Quran and and talk about that. But I feel like to get into that is to like hash through where it comes from. But what I will say is that In Iran, the hijab was used as a weapon against the West and Western ideology. So women were told to put on the hijab as a big F you to America and the West. It was a symbol for them. So women have been used as pawns. They're used as, as, as pieces on a, on a, on a chessboard. They're like, you know what? You're going to wear this. We're going to enforce this on you. And then the secondary component of these hijabs and not putting on your lipstick, not having your nail polish is because women are blamed for their own rapes and their own abuses in Iran. If you are raped and you're married and you cannot prove that you have been raped, if you can't uh, satisfy the court that you've been raped, they will charge you with adultery and adultery is a capital crime. So you could be killed for that. You could be killed if you are raped. If you are not married, you could be forced to marry your rapist right then and there. So really, women are basically abused right in the streets. No one says anything. If if some uh, mullah comes to a woman and hits her and says, cover your hair, take off your lipstick, 
essentially what he's saying is, don't turn me on. You're tempting me. The responsibility is on you to not tempt me and to not arouse me sexually, which means women are viewed as livestock that are only there for sex because they're so over-sexualized that the religious men and the regime cannot seem to see women in any light outside of the light of sex and sexuality because they're only here to have babies with you, which means if any part of their body is showing, they're going to arouse you sexually. And if they do, they have sinned, not you. The sin is on the women not the men. Okay, we've heard this so many times before, first of all. Sorry, it's just so... I know. I'm thinking of like so many instances of even like in high school, not being able to wear a tank top. Not that that's any comparison Mm -hmm. to what these women have dealt with. It is a comparison. It is a comparison, Alex, because it's the same idea. It's just to a lesser extent. You don't wear a tank top because it's too arousing for the men. For Mm -hmm. the boys. I was like, I remember being like 12 and that was a thing. What the fuck? Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. You're 100% correct. And really, Iran is is exactly that. It's exactly that. It's the same idea as, well, what was she wearing? What were you drinking? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you deserved it. Mm -hmm. It's the same. Mm -hmm. It went just to the next level. It is that it's like taken to the highest level of that. So it really is like a canary in the coal mine or a cautionary Mm -hmm. tale. I think what people really need to become present to is that everywhere in the world, this form of thinking exists. And the Iranian regime is really a canary in the coal mine and a cautionary tale for exactly what happens to women when we allow this form of thinking to take root. Yes, I was hearing about um, the Iranian Revolution of 1979 Mm -hmm. and that it was sort of in response to what was called the West toxification of Mm -hmm. the culture Mm -hmm. and that the um, fundamentalist regime was saying, look at our women, they're all wearing miniskirts. If we go back in time, then things will be better, right? If we have everybody wear a hijab, then things will quote unquote be better. And when I was hearing this, this reminded me so much of MAGA. Make America yes. great again. Yes. If we go back in time, things are going to be so much better. Yeah. And it's we just incredible. need to go back to the purity. We need to go back to the purity yes. of the book. And we need to go back to, they always want to take you back to some golden era. It's always some fundamentalist, right winged, very um, religiously uh, rooted ideologies. Mm hmm. And it's so dangerous, especially because seeing what's happening right now, something that drives me crazy on Instagram is seeing a lot of people post Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What if this happens? What if this goes back to the Handmaid's Tale? And it's the Handmaid's Tale is happening right in front of us Mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty offensive to see this what if happens. And all you have to do is open your eyes. And so that's the other reason Mm -hmm. that it's so important to have you come on and share this story with us and with our audience. The Handmaid's Tale is happening right now in Iran. And it's slowly going to happen to all of the nations that give in to fundamentalist, right-wing, patriarchal, type of thinking that's like, you know what, let's take us back. Let's take us back to the good old days. Let's take us back. Let's, let's take away women's rights. Let's, let's just go back to this other golden era. And we don't know what that golden era is. And it's very tempting, right? Because the people of Iran, they genuinely were so disillusioned with the economic hardships, uh, between 53 and 79 that they genuinely thought, oh yeah, well, let's give this guy a chance. He's religious, so we can trust him. He's a man of God, so we can trust him because he's going to take us towards God, right? And the, the saddest aspect of the revolution in 79 is that 
Khomeini convinced the feminists of Iran to band with him, which was absolutely mind-blowing. Men and women from all different backgrounds genuinely thought this man was going to come, help them gain their revolution, overthrow their Shah, and then they would have a democratically elected president. That's what they wanted. They wanted to have a democracy. They wanted to instill a democracy. And he had said that that's what he wanted, but then he became the supreme leader and he became a dictator. And then the person who took over has been a dictator for 20 some odd years now. That's the thing that I worry about here in the U.S., is that a lot of people who are economically disillusioned, who are facing a lot of economic hardship, they turn to things like MAGA and to the alt-right because they want to cling on to something or someone who's going to save them, who's going to take them back to some place that's going to help them. And they get totally fooled by it, just like the Iranian people got completely bamboozled and fooled. They got tricked by Khomeini. And they thought, wow, here it comes. Everything's going to be great. And really, everything just got worse and worse and worse. And I think that that's, that could very easily happen here. I mean, we look at what happened January 6th, and you think, wow, you know what? Our democracy is actually fragile. It's not as ironclad as we think it is. We think that we can never lose our democracy. Here in America, we're like, oh yeah, we can never lose our democracy. We took a democracy everywhere else. But when you think about it, of all the countries that had their democracies taken away from them, that lost their democracies, it would be very foolish of us and very naive of us to think that this could never happen to us. We have to have our eyes wide open and, and really begin to address the root problem of why people are so disillusioned that they turn to right-wing fundamentalist leaders. They only turn to them because they feel they have no control. You know, like, you know yourself as just a human being as yourself, not as like a society, but when you feel most out of control and when you feel most stressed, what do you do? You get super controlling of your life. You control the people in your life. You want to control the conversations. You get very rigid with your, your daily routine. And we forget that human beings, when they're in groups and collections, they also behave the same. When a lot of human beings all of a sudden feel a lot of stress and their needs on the hierarchy of needs are not being met, they turn to control. And when they turn to control, they're turning to it for safekeeping. And it's an unfortunate thing that we do because it doesn't actually bring about safety. What it brings about is oppression, especially when you do it as a group. So when a group of people feel like their needs aren't being met economically, they're not able to survive and thrive, they get disillusioned by and they also get tricked by a lot of fundamental thinking because those fundamental thinking stuff requires a lot of control and control gives us the illusion that everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But then once that control takes hold, it really becomes the reason why everybody becomes miserable. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I think people really want to be a part of something. They mm -hmm. also, they want to have someone to blame. Mm -hmm. And usually these people in power will give you someone to exactly. blame. Exactly. 
and be able to point the finger. Exactly. I mean, it's in Hitler's playbook. The best way- I was literally just, yeah. Best way to get people to band with you for their own oppression, to go against their own best self-interests is to create a very evil common enemy. Hitler did it. Yes. And in Iran, mm-hmm. Khomeini did it with America. He painted America as the America is our enemy. They're evil. And as long as everyone believes that, then we can continue to oppress our people. We can continue our dictatorship. It just so happens that we now have internet and the people mm-hmm. in Iran are mm-hmm. very freedom loving. They love America. They love Americans. They love American food. They love American movies. They love all sorts of American things. They love all sorts of European things. They are educated people. They know what's out there. They can see what's out there and they love it. They like it because how could you not? I mean, how could you not? Of course, America has a lot of issues. We have so many issues that we need to handle here that we need to get a handle on. But ultimately, the rest of the world looks to us and our at least ideals. Maybe we don't ever achieve our ideals, but the ideals that we have set forth are very aspirational. And it is those very ideals that people look to and they're like, man, that's great. I like that, actually. Yeah. And I want to say, and especially now that you describe this, you know, these are children, like when children. I was looking on your on your Instagram and you're showing and paying honor to all of the girls who've been mm-hmm. killed and mm-hmm. killed in the most atrocious ways that like you can't. I'm glad that you put it because it broke my heart. It was it's awful. But you need to know you need to know what's happening. And these are 16 year olds. These are mm-hmm. 17 year olds. These are people who just 12 kids, year olds, kids. 11 yes. year olds, 23 children have been counted so far by Amnesty International. Um who have been killed during just this wave of protest. So that's mm-hmm. 23 children that have been killed, whether in the schools, that what on the streets, who are out, these girls are out, it's, it's girls and boys, but these mm-hmm. are children, 23 children. And mm-hmm. then the rest are young people. They're the youth, they're Gen Z, they are people in their 20s who they were born in this oppression. So they mm-hmm. actually never saw the freedom that, any of their parents had when it came to social freedoms. They didn't have any of that. So all they've ever known is this oppression. So for them, it's very hard for them to try to think, oh yeah, America is our is our enemy. When they see that their enemy is staring them right in the eye, right at home, their enemy is their own government and they can see it. They're not mm. disillusioned by that at all. They The wonderful thing about the fact that this is a Gen Z movement, th- these are children and youth and girls and students, is that they actually are so savvy and so smart and have lived in the oppression and tyranny of theocracy that they see right through religion. They see right through it. They don't have mm. any illusions about it. Wow. And I mean, it's hard to, it, with TikTok, I'm not on TikTok, but I couldn't imagine seeing what's happening in the rest of the world, specifically in America, what exactly what you're saying, and then looking around and you can't even show a piece of your hair. I couldn't imagine what that does to the human psyche. Imagine. Because it, it just, right? you get like, to, and with all that education and you're so educated, that's, you're absolutely right. It's like, how could you imagine that an entire generation who, yes, Gen Z is going to be even bigger than millennials, mm-hmm. the largest, I think it's like the largest generation ever. Mm-hmm. It's just going to take it. It's just going to sit there and take it and be like, okay, Okay, fine. When you can see what the possibilities are. Yeah. And 
you're smart enough to make it they happen. They see the whole world around them mm-hmm. and they're being told who their enemies are when they know very clearly who their enemies are. And their enemies are not anywhere outside of their country. Mm-hmm. They know that their enemy is right there in their own country. Their enemy is their own regime. Mm-hmm. So insane. It's scary what governments can do. It's really scary when they involve religion. Mm-hmm. Theocracy has no place. I mean, I think we should respect everyone's religion. Wonderful. Whatever you believe, leave it. Whatever gives you solace, amazing. Whatever brings you peace, I'm here for it. It doesn't have a place in government. It has no place in government. Absolutely. If I remember correctly, Hitler had convinced people that Jews weren't part of a religion, that they were an entire race. That was part of how he... Dehumanized. Yeah, he dehumanized them. And it's a dehumanization that we still are seeing. Yeah, definitely. To this very day, we see it. Instead of being like, oh, well, yeah, they're Jewish, but okay, we're Catholic. He's just like, no, 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 it's not that. It's their whole race. Like, they're just, they're trying to take over the world. Anytime we see that in the world, every government who has done that, every single government who dehumanizes another aspect of their society as the evil, as the devil, as the dirty Mm -hmm. one, they receive due justice in time. That kind of tyranny doesn't last long. You know, it doesn't last forever because people will always outnumber their government. And what people need to understand is that a citizen should never be afraid of their government. Governments should always be afraid of their citizens. We are the ones who are in control. And we need to remind ourselves of that all of the time. Don't be afraid of your government. Your government is there to serve you. They are your representatives. If they do not represent what you believe in, kick them out. Mm -hmm. Any means necessary. And I think the Iranian youth, women, people are, are doing just that. They're like, we've had enough. Pack it up. Is there a party on the ground that is sort of leading the way that if there were to be a coup or something, Mm -hmm. like, is there somebody that's like, guys, it's me. I can lead them. I can lead the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would that look like? The future, I suppose. As it stands right now, different people's names are coming up as people who the youth and the Gen Z are looking to for guidance or for leadership. These people... Again, because these are Gen Z, this is our Gen Z generation. This is our young people, our students. They are people who have been forced to look up to celebrities and forced to look up to sports stars as their Mm. idols, right? Because like, Mm. who else are you going to look up to in a country where like, you can't really look up to much of anything, right? Mm -hmm. So you end up looking up to those people. And I know that the football team, like the soccer team, I should say, uh, in particular, one soccer player, he has kind of been sending a lot of messages via Twitter and uh, through Instagram and and kind of keeping the morale up. And people have been looking to him for like their morale. And they're very excited about that. Whether or not he can lead a country, neither here nor there. But really, these kinds of revolutions take time. So revolutions Mm. always take time. You need to have enough unrest internally for leadership to begin to arise and to sprout within the revolution. So 
if you have just one protest, you don't automatically have a leader that already is leading the protest. It's these protest after protest, march after march, strike after strike. You see all their factories are striking right now and people are refusing to work and everywhere around the country this is happening. We don't see what's happening inside that country and if there's leadership that's arising from inside. But usually leadership has to arise from inside the country and it takes time for that to happen. As it Mm -hmm. stands right now, from the outside looking in, I can't, and most people can't point to say, this person's leading or that person's leading. But in some ways, it's actually advantageous to the people of Mm -hmm. Iran because in the past, when they have had leadership, that leadership has been squashed. So the Iranian regime finds out who's the leader, kill him. You kill him, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. it. The head of the dragon is gone and the protests die. But who's leading the the protests right now are just girls women, school girls and students and boys and, and youth and Gen Z. And like, they're really like firing up their parents to join them. Cause it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you got us in this mess. Come on, let's get us out of this mess. And they are very like unrelenting and fearless Mm -hmm. and brave. Like they are kicking out their own school administrators out of their own schools. They are (laughs) <laughs> they're fearless. I didn't know that. They're fearless. Yes. Yeah. Fearless That's, girls. But even these, these tiny things like taking off your hijab and, and cutting your hair and wearing mm-hmm. red nail polish, like mm-hmm. that could get you killed. Like they're so fearless, but like even anything that these people do is so fearless. And that's the difference is that they're facing death just they're by posting death. on online when they, there was still internet is mm-hmm. everything that they're doing within this revolution is brave and fearless. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the same like here we can just go on, you know, Twitter and be like, yeah, thoughts you, and prayers. Exactly. Like it's, it's not anywhere near the same. Mm-hmm. The stakes aren't anywhere near as high. And that's what's so inspiring and so yeah. beautiful is like we, you know, the things that we have here, we work so passionately for. Mm-hmm. And compared to other places, they're just, we're light years, we're in another mm-hmm. galaxy. And so to see like uh, this culture that has so much less and has so much more at stake and so much more to, at ri- like, to risk, mm-hmm. taking these small steps that are so like gigantic leaps, it's just so beautiful and it says so much to the human spirit. Mm-hmm. When you have nothing else to live for, when everything has been taken away from you, you are willing to risk your life. Because if you can't risk your life so that the people, you know, behind you can have better, that's what the youth are saying in Iran. They'll tell their mothers, because mothers are like, please don't go. And they're like, mom, if I don't do this for my little brother, like for my little daughter, for my little sister, for whomever comes after me, they, I can't have this be their life. There is nothing here for us. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're literally sacrificing their own lives. Like actually, it's not like they're being sent off to some foreign land to fight some war. They're literally sacrificing their own lives for their own people, mm-hmm. for their own women. And yes. everyone, and men are doing this. Everyone is doing this because they just want freedom. They want to be free. And to this day, they still don't have internet and they they desperately need internet. So if anyone here in the US can donate to the Tor project or go set up a VPN on Snowflake, find a way to give 
some kind of internet to someone in Iran or push for your representatives, call them, email them, text them, tell your representatives, hey, we should provide a free internet for the people of Iran. We can do that. We have the capacity to do that. Not just Starlink. Starlink has, of course, the capacity to give internet via satellite, but getting those satellites in is hard. But there are many other companies that can do that, like Boeing. And so we just need to like push our our representatives to help the people of Iran regain their internet so that they can communicate better with us outside of Iran and with one another and really take action. There are so many things going on. There is a fundraising right now on GoFundMe that is raising funds to put up billboards everywhere in all major cities to put up billboards and get the word out. Because of course, once the news cycles eyeballs run out of patience with something, they look away. And so mm-hmm. these billboards will serve as a way to keep people's attention on the subject matter and also prolong the exposure to media. Um, there are so many things. You can call the United Nations. You can literally, the United Nations has two phone numbers. Call them right now. Tell them, hey, I don't think that Iran should be on the United Nations Women's Council. They shouldn't be on that. Get them off that council. Uh, there should be an investigation put forth. They should be investigated for their crimes against humanity. So these are things that we here in America can do for the people in Iran. And we're doing it for all of the people in Iran, for the women of Iran. And vis-a-vis, we're doing it for all of the Middle East. Because if they are able to get rid of their theocracy, it'll also happen in Afghanistan and all of the regions in the Middle East that are also suffering. And it will hopefully make us realize that, hey, we can do that here too. We don't Mm -hmm. have to allow anyone to take our rights away. We don't have to allow anyone to tell women what they can and cannot do with their bodies. People need to call their representatives. People need to really become involved and active Mm -hmm. in, in the governance of their country and the governance of the world. Because we're citizens of this planet. We belong on planet Earth. Yes. And it's it's you're doing we're doing it for all women everywhere because that's really what this is about is they, we're starting to see them roll back our own rights and now to see so much be rolled back in another country it's very close it's very very close to home and within the same year and so i think that for all women mm-hmm. we need to just like stop this in its tracks so that we can hope for a better future What's the most important thing that you want to leave with our audience today? What's the most important takeaway that you want everybody listening to this to understand and to walk away knowing? I think the most important thing that I want people to take away with is that this sounds very hyperbolic, but there is a war on women happening and women's bodies right now, not only in Iran and Afghanistan, but the world at large and even here in America. And I think that small-minded men in power and fundamentalists always want to turn back the clock and drag women back to some stone age, right? And they will always use that on the guise of piety and purity. But I think people need to start opening their eyes up and know that no matter what religion they believe in, no matter who it is that they pray to, No religion or government that tries to disempower and control the bodies of any members of that people, whether it's women, LGBTQ+, children, youth, students, minorities, any underprivileged group, that is not from God, whoever that God is. And that people need to start seeing that those are just excuses used by fundamentalists who want to 
impose control and patriarchy on people and just use religion as a scapegoat. And I think we all need to rise up. We need to be the voices of the women of Iran. We have to be their voice. We can't allow for this to be silent. We have to do whatever we can to be allies. Everyone needs to band together on this. Women, all allies rising up together because this women's movement is a global people's movement. It's not just a women's movement. The Iranian revolution is a revolution that is going to reverberate in the entire world. And we all have to participate. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. You've been so inspiring. Thank you for having me. Truly, I learned a lot. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Do you mind really quick? Um, I know that you said so many places where people can help, but if there's any place else that mm-hmm. you'd like to name where people can help or people can, um, I don't know, send resources, whatever. Yeah. Maybe any like reliable um, news sources. Yes, there are great accounts to follow. There are a lot of places on Instagram where people can go and stay informed on what's happening right now in Iran. Uh, Middle East Matters, which is an Instagram account, uh, 1,500 Tasvir, um, and from Iran, Gol Farhani. Um, I'll make sure to type these out for you guys so you have them, but uh, essentially... These are wonderful places to go to see what's really going on and to be able to amplify their voices. There's a lot of them. There's at Sara Rahmini, there's Samanism, and these are all Instagram accounts. These are the best ways to amplify the voices of the people in Iran as it's happening. The best thing that anyone can do is to reshare eyewitness news. So the news that's coming directly out of Iran that someone videoed, reshare that. I'm always um, a little bit apprehensive to say, reshare this news outlet or reshare that news outlet because we never know what their skew is. When you have a talking head talking about something, you're getting secondhand information. Just share what's really happening in Iran as it's happening. Today, this week, it would be really great if we can amplify the voices of the workers that are on strike in Iran because they're being silenced right now. So if we can really amplify their voices, that would be great. And then, of course, there are um, places that you can donate to. You can donate to the Center for Human Rights in Iran. That's www.iranhumanrights.org. You can donate to the TOR project, which uh, helps restore internet in Iran. That's www.torproject.org. Org. If you want to be involved in putting up billboards all around, you know, the U.S. and some major cities in Europe and Canada, you can go to a GoFundMe campaign, which is GoFundMe.com, uh, Free Iran Call for Media. So it's Free Iran Call for Media, and that's a GoFundMe uh, campaign. There are so many petitions you can sign. There are so many things you can do. You can demand that the United Nations urgently creates an international mechanism to hold the Iranian authorities accountable. The phone number for that is 1-212-963-7160. You can call the United Nations Women's Department, which is one 
646-781-440. And let them know that you oppose the fact that the Islamic Republic is on the UN Commission for Women. That's crazy that they're on that Commission for the Status of Women, which is supposed to champion gender equality and women's rights. So go ahead, get active, sign petitions. There are so many things out there. There's a website called Free Iran Call to Action. It has everything listed from all the different petitions available. Educate yourself and get into action Follow all the people that you can on Instagram, amplify their voices, and really just make yourself an agent for change. Thank you. That's so many resources. I'm making phone calls tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. So everybody, I hope that you enjoyed and learned a lot from our chat with Yasmin. I know I learned a lot uh, that also was very emotional. Just knowing that, yeah, history does repeat itself. And there's so many similarities from history that we're seeing now, whether it's from uprisings and revolts or just seeing the oppression of people in different countries makes me sad, but it's always important to just keep learning and knowing and being aware. And just like Yasmin said, you know, people having the education and knowledge is what helps in situations like this. A hundred percent. You're so right, Shapiro. Share this episode, please. I mean, actually, we just got an email from somebody the other day that said my friend sent me this episode and I loved it. So we know that you guys do it. But please, if you know anybody who I mean, just share this episode just with anybody. I think right now, honestly, just having people be aware is the biggest thing because we're in New York and I I, hum, I like to brag that I don't read the news because people will tell me what's going on because so many people come through the door. But the amount of people who've come through the door who know what is happening in Iran is not a lot. So it's really up to us to help to spread the word, help to bring awareness and help to amplify the voices of these really, really brave men and women who are risking their lives for a chance of normalcy. It's crazy. It just makes me sad. It makes me really sad. I was getting really teary-eyed when we were talking to her. I know. I know. No, it's really... I've cried so many times. I've cried so many times over this because I just... I just can't imagine the fear of living day to day. I can't imagine the stress. You know, we all just went through this super stressful time the past two years. Like, imagine that times a thousand every single day, not knowing what your future has. And like, you know, it's so easy to just say, well, just leave, just leave. And it's like, who, one is like, can you? But two is who wants to leave their home country? Do you know, it's like anytime bullshit happens here, it's like, yo, it's like after the pandemic, after the pandemic wiped out in New York, I was like, we're not going nowhere. We're staying here and we're rebuilding. This is our home. And I can't imagine, you know, your country telling you, like, we don't want you in this day and age. You're not welcome here. And just having to deal with that without fighting back. So with that being said, please check out um, the show notes, all the organizations that Yasmin mentioned. We are going to post in the show notes. We're going to post also on our Instagram. We're going to post in our link tree. So we're really behind supporting all people all the time. But right now, these people need our support. So let's do it. Beauty baddies come together. Form like Voltron. Beauty baddies unite. <laughs> Speaking of beauty baddies, you can DM or email us your listener letters and your beauty baddie moments of the week 
on Instagram at True Beauty Broken Podcast or True Beauty Broken Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow our personal Instagram accounts. I'm Alex Lindley. I'm the Brown Elizabeth Taylor. And you can make an in-person or virtual appointment with me at TrueBeautyBrooklyn.com. And you can make an in-person appointment with Alex at CheekyBrooklyn.com. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been a COCBK production produced by Elizabeth Taylor and Alex Shapiro, mixed by BetaWave. Follow us on Instagram at TrueBeautyBrooklynPodcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.